Good morning, Harvest family. I am uh, so excited to be able to come to you, even though you're not here with me. I know that you're here through the uh, sound waves and audio waves and whatever other ways are out there. I'll leave all the uh, technical gadget and gargant, gar, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, jargon to uh, Mike Fisher, or Mike uh, Cosgrove that knows all that stuff. And uh, but I'm just going to have a great time here with you in Facebook Live, and I'm so thankful that you're here, able to be with us today. And uh, I'll tell you what, just wait a couple seconds here. I want to see as many people on as possible. Start texting your friends. Tell them to get on. If they don't know how to get here, show them how to get them on. And uh, we want everybody to be live with us because this is our church family, and uh, we want you to be a part of it. And I'm excited about the message this morning because, you know, we don't have to live in fear. There's a lot of people living in fear right now. And uh, so this morning, I just want to talk to you about some practical application in light of the coronavirus. Uh, you know, Scripture talks about so many different things, so many different ways to handle the, the situations and struggles of life around us. And the reality is we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to live for. And uh, this does not have to be something that has to get us down. God's word is very clear. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And uh, we know that God is live within us. He lives within us. He's directing us daily. And we're so thankful for that. So if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. Uh, I'm going to kind of do a little bit of a remix of a message I did several months ago. Uh, in fact, back in December. And uh, I'm really excited about it. So uh, I think God's word is, has so much to be uh, looking to look at in light of everything that's going on in life. And uh, you're going to find out in just a moment that Paul was not without his struggles. He went through all kinds of difficult circumstances, different trials. And let me just say, this is something that none of us would have chosen. Paul wouldn't have chosen it. Anybody in their right mind would have not chosen to go through the difficulties and the struggles that happen in life, right? Uh, God allows things, God allows circumstances to get our attention, to get our focus, to put it, reprioritize those things in our life that really matter. And uh, there will be those that will say, well, is the coronavirus one of those things? Well, I certainly believe that if a sovereign God can cause the wind and the waves to be still, he could have caused the coronavirus not to come. But he allowed it for whatever reasons that he knows. And it's to get our attention, it gives our focus. And the question we have to often ask, even through every other trial of life is, what is God trying to teach me through this, number one? And number two, how can I bring glory to God through this? And it's been a really interesting uh, last couple of weeks, as you all know, and we're going to be talking about some of the things that I've observed. And uh, so let's just have a word of prayer, and we'll get started this morning. Dear Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for the opportunity to be here, to be, uh, Lord, in your presence, to know that you're in control of all these circumstances, and God, we're so thankful for the Word of God because it has the answers for everything that we're facing in life. And Lord, I just pray that you would give wisdom, give direction, give clarity of thought and speech, Lord, so that we can fully understand everything that it is that you're wanting to teach us through this. Lord, I pray that we might truly love our neighbors as ourselves during this difficult time. But Lord, I also want to pray for those that are meeting around the world today, Lord. I know that, uh, Lord, I know there's a lot of frustration, a lot of uh, fear, a lot of anxiety, a lot of different emotions that are taking place, Lord. But we know that your word is true. Your word is, gives us confidence. Your word gives everything that we need to handle everything that we're going through. So, Lord, I pray that wherever the word of God goes forth this morning, Lord, that you would be in the midst of it, that you would just use your word to encourage your people, bring conviction where conviction is needed, encouragement where encouragement is needed. 
And Lord, I don't, Lord, it doesn't matter where people are meeting today, Lord, whether it's under a tree, whether it's down by the river, whether it's in secret, whether it's in open, Lord, I pray that your word would accomplish your purposes. So meet with us, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. So as Paul was writing this letter to, to Timothy, he was sitting in a jail as a Roman prisoner. Remember this? We talked about this several months ago. And the reality is, I promise you that if, if you were to ask Paul today, hey, hey, Paul, what do you think about going to sitting in jail for a few months? You know, let's just kind of go and just kind of, you know, put ourselves in chains and sit in the bottom of a dungeon jail. No, don't sign me up for that one. It's not one that I would have picked. I mean, talk about being quarantined and, and uh, you know, and being uh, told to stick within our homes. And, you know, some of you feel like you're in that Roman jail, sitting down there in a dungeon and not able to do anything. But it's far different. You can kind of feel that way, but it's far different because the reality is, uh, you know, we're not in chains. We're not without food. We're not without water. We're not without the daily necessities. We're not without our warm beds. We're not without our TVs and everything else. Even though you may feel like you're a prisoner, you're really not. But you kind of feel that way. And he believed that his time on earth was drawing to an end. Uh, maybe some of you may be feeling scared as if your life, as you know it, is coming to an end. And that fun as well because of the coronavirus. Well, rest assured, your life is not coming to an end. God is in control of this as well. And uh, so this was likely the last letter that Paul would write. But he wrote it with a sense of urgency. And uh, I, I don't know about you, but I, I realize that much of my life is not lived with urgency. It's kind of, we have a to-do list, we kind of work on it. When we get there, we get there. When we don't, we don't. We put it off to the next day. But Paul was writing to young Timothy with a sense of urgency that, hey, something's got to change. I got to get you trained. I got to get you discipled. I got to mentor you. I got to coach you. Uh, because soon you are going to be taking the baton that I've been carrying. I'm going to be passing it off to you. And I'm going to need you strong. I'm going to need you knowledgeable. I'm going to need you well aware of everything that's taken place so that you can carry on the work that God has entrusted me that he's now entrusting to you. And so Paul was really writing with a sense of urgency here in 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1. And so let me go ahead and read verses 1 through 7. And I'm excited especially because I'm going to kind of tag team this uh, sermon today. I got a good friend with me here. He's going to be coming in in a few minutes and kind of taking a part of it. And uh, that's not something you'll see every week. And uh, so, hey, you're, you're in for a treat today. So let's begin reading by 2 Timothy chapter 1. It says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by God's will, for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly loved son, grace, mercy, peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day, remembering your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I recall your sincere faith with that first, uh, that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I'm convinced is in you also. Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying out of my hands. And here's a key verse for this time period in which we are living. Uh, for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. As we look at this text of scripture, man, I'm thinking, yes, there is a very specific context in which is written. But there's also very clear application to where Paul is going with this that will also be applicable to the life that we're living right here in 2020 with the coronavirus and everything that's taking place. So as Paul pens his letter to Timothy, he makes a unique statement that he doesn't make in his other epistles. 
It's the phrase for the sake or for the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Oh my goodness, if you can't get excited about that, I don't know what you're going to get excited about. For the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. Now think about that statement just for a moment. The word promise means announcement or guarantee of life in Christ Jesus. The guarantee of what was to come was Paul's motivation. Man, I don't know what it is that you may be going through. I also know that uh, it's a crazy circumstance of, of life that we're living in right now, right? Who would have guessed even a couple weeks ago that we'd be quarantined? Who would have guessed that people would have been running to the shelves and made like the worst winter storm look like nothing and steal every bit of toilet paper, every bit of hand sanitizer, every bit of paper towels, every, I mean, think about it. Store shelves empty because of a virus. Who would have ever thought that? Who could have seen that coming to the point that it did where stores all across the country where people are, are, are basically being told that they can't go to work unless it's absolutely essential. And they're losing income and co companies are struggling now to make ends meet and pay bills and to pay their salaries of their employees. Nobody could have, could have, could have anticipated that. But here's something that we have to understand and know is that no matter what it is that we may be facing, it is temporary. It is temporary. And whether temporary means our entire life, it's still temporary because on the timeline of eternity, our life, whether we live 20 years or 40 years or 37 years or 107 years, it's still just a little, a little speck on the timeline of eternity. And, and God's word reminds us that our citizenship is where? Not in Rochester, not in Minneapolis, not anywhere on this, on this earth as we know it. Our citizenship as a child of God is in heaven. And we know because of that fact, because of our hope in Jesus Christ, because of what he's done for us on the cross, anything that we experience in this life is temporary. The only two things that are going to last for eternity are the souls of men and the word of God. And I'm thankful for the word of God because it reminds us of what is to come one day. So that's where our encouragement is anchored in what is to come. But Paul says, I'm penning this letter for the sake of the promise of life in Christ Jesus. We have life only in Christ Jesus. This life, as we know it, obviously is going to change. It is changing. And it's going to change some more before this is all over. People have passed away. Nobody got up in the morning and said, Whoo, this is a great day to get the coronavirus. Nobody did that. But yet it happened. So we, it's a reminder that daily our faith, our trust, our hope, our anchor has to be in Jesus Christ, right? And so that's where we're going to put our anchor. In fact, if you look over, in fact, turn your Bibles back just a few pages here to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 are just some good verses to be reminded of. Verse 17 says this, For our momentary light affliction. I mean, there is, there is, man, sometimes our, our focus is on the, on the hurt, on the pain, on the struggle, on the difficulty, on the trial. And yet God, God's word reminds us, and we have, by the way, none of us have gone through what Paul went through. None of us. But he says, for our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable eternal weight of glory. In other words, there is something so incredible waiting for us one day. When we get to heaven, we're going to look, I don't know if we'll have this ability, but if we do, we're going to look back and say, well, that was nothing. That was really nothing because everything we went through is just for a moment. In a twinkling of eye, one day we're going to be spending eternity with the Lord in heaven 
and it's going to be so much better. And the best of earth can compare to the least of heaven. Eh, wow. These are some pretty awesome verses. For our momentary light affliction is producing for us an absolutely incomparable. Nothing can compare to that. Eternal weight of glory. So verse 18, reminder, and it's a reminder for all of us during the struggles that we're facing, regardless of what they are, regardless of what they may be. So we do not focus on what is seen, but on what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. You know, we don't know what's going to take place or when what, when things are going to take place, uh, you know, as far as going to heaven. But I know this, I want to be ready. I want to make sure that you're ready. I want to see all my friends and loved ones there. I want to make sure that they know the hope of Jesus Christ as well. And that's part of the reason why he wrote this to young Timothy, to encourage those churches to make sure they're ready that one day. So just a reminder here, um, we need to understand that what we're going through is a light affliction. It's a momentary affliction. It's a distraction. Uh, I, was, I was telling some friends yesterday, you know, I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. I'm really not. I'm irritated by it. It's an inconvenience. It's cramping my style. And it's, it, you know, don't laugh at me because you're, it's, it's doing the same thing for you. Uh, it, it's messing up our, our style and what we want to do and when we want to do it and how often we want to do it. And, you know, it's, it, it's the restrictions that are being placed on us. And it's the mask that, you know, some of us are wearing and all these different things. I, I don't like, I'm irritated by it, but I'm not afraid of it because I know that God is in control. Amen. So furthermore, um, I, and I wonder, Paul fully believed that he was facing, what he was facing was according to God's will. How do I know that? He says, um, Paul in a, verse one, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will for the sake of the promise. You know, he says, God has me right where he wants me. And, uh, so I know that even though Paul was lodging at the jailhouse in and suites in Rome, I, I know that we're right where God has for us to be. He's in charge. He's in control. But I wonder if we would have the same outlook that Paul had if we knew that we were in our last days. I do fully believe that Paul believed that his time on earth was coming to an end. Um, some of you may feel like that. Uh, it's probably not the case unless God in his sovereignty uh, would allow an accident or a cancer of some sort. We pray not. But other than that, we, we basically have day to day to day. And the coronavirus is more than likely going to pass through and it's going to be another circumstance that We'll look back and thank God for his providence through it all. So the reality is, God is in control. But furthermore, Paul emphasizes his love for Timothy as he exhorts Timothy as he passes the baton, so to speak. He had grown to love Timothy with a great love as he extended him grace and mercy and peace. And I wonder if that's not, even though, like I said at the beginning of this message, there is a specific context in which things are written written but there's also a practical application to what is written that we can apply to our lives you know so paul says to timothy my dearly loved son grace mercy and peace from god the father and christ jesus our lord you know folks this is a great time and day and age in which we live to extend grace and mercy and peace to those around us i heard a story of one of the elderly ladies in our church uh, she was in a store uh, two days ago and as she was reaching down to get a package of hamburger, another young lady reached over her shoulder, about knocked her out of the way, and literally grabbed the hamburger out of her hands. And I thought to myself, wow, that is not grace, that is not mercy, and that is not peace. And uh, the world around us, they don't understand that God is in control. 
But it's an opportunity for us to extend that mercy, that grace, and just help them, help them to see that this is not what we're here for. This is not what we're living for. This God has something greater. God has something more that he's going to do through all this. But the world around us needs to see the grace, the mercy, the peace. And all the more as we have, as we have a supply of the things that those around us may need it, uh, you know, I'll share a story about that in a little bit later. But we, we need to be people who will extend that mercy, that grace, that peace. As, just as Paul did to Timothy as he's starting this area of ministry that, and replacing Paul and what he was doing there. So, anyway, and, and let me just say this too. Um, very few of any pastors have uh, uh, had to deal with being a pastor during a pandemic or, or so, uh, such as coronavirus. So be patient with us. We're still learning some of these things and we're learning how to deal with all this stuff. And we're going to do the best we can, but we need to be patient with one another as well. But Paul imparted three things to Timothy as he passed the baton to him. He imparted consistent prayer, complete confidence, and a continual reminder. First of all, the consistent prayer. We see this in verse 3 and 4. He says, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my ancestors did, when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. Remembering your tears, I long to see you that I may be filled with joy. Uh, Wow, he prayed for Timothy night and day. Once again, specific context but practical application. Specific context, yes, Paul was praying for Timothy. But in the practical application of this is that when we are in ministry, when God entrusts us to be stewards of his ministry, we really need to be praying for one another. Those that you know, realize that we are comrades, we're, we're soldiers together, we're working together to carry on the work of the ministry. That's the ministry that he's given to every one of us that know Jesus Christ is our Savior. Uh, Ephesians 2.10 says, For we are his workmanship, created unto good work. And so we need to be praying for each other as we do ministry. And once again, it's not just vocational ministry. It's not just those who are pastors or teachers, evangelists, missionaries, so forth. It's all of us who know Jesus Christ. You've been entrusted a ministry, and we need to be praying for one another during this time. And so he prayed for Timothy night and day. Why? Because he knew some of the struggles he would face. You know, this is a great time because we know the struggles. We're experiencing them together. We're, we're doing life together as a body of believers in a local, local assemblies that are now meeting in our homes and you know, in home churches, so to speak. But we're experiencing the struggles of life together, are we not? Are we not just uh, in, in, in the midst of everything that has taken place, you know, we're taking inventory of what we have and what we're, what's happening and what's taking place and, and so forth. And he knew the struggles that he would be facing. And so knowing the struggles enables us to be praying for each other more effectively. And so uh, we should be taking those uh, church um, phone books and praying through them and praying for one another, remembering each other and, and calling each other and saying, hey, is there anything you need? Is there anything I can be doing for you? Is there anything that you're lacking? And, and being there for each other. But it starts with prayer. Why? Because you knew the struggles. And knowing the struggles of those around you, are you praying for them? Seriously, are you praying for them right now? If we're not careful, we can let all the things of, of life you know, get in the way of what we know God would have us to do. And let, let me just jump on this just for a moment. Knowing the struggles. I'm seeing around us that you know, there are a lot of health issues. There are those that need to get into the doctor. They can't get in because the doctor's offices are closed. The, the clinics are closed. The emergency rooms are, are closed except for extreme circumstances. Uh, surgery is being canceled. 
you know, there's a lot of health issues going on. There are a lot of people who need the help of a doctor and they're just not able to get it right now. Are you praying for them? Are you taking the time to say, God, be with them? You know, why not pray for God to touch their lives? Why not pray for God to heal their bodies? Why not pray for God to do what only God can do? Because he's a great physician. He's the healer, right? Why would we not put our confidence and trust, especially in all the more during this time period in which we're living? Uh, I know that there are emotional struggles right now. People are locked up in their homes or they feel locked up in their homes and they're not in the norm of life. And because they're not in the norm of life, everything's kind of an up and down roller coaster and emotionally they're struggling. Their emotions are all over the map and, and it's like, man, I just got to get out. Yesterday, I spent almost the entire day in my garage. I, I couldn't even walk in there hardly. So I pulled everything out and I spent literally, I did, had no intention of going this far, but I just wanted to be able to walk in the entrance of it. You know, it's kind of back behind the church, you know, it's full of junk and I start pulling everything out. And next thing you know, it's like, this goes there and this goes there and that should come over here and this needs to go there. Next thing you know, it's like I started at about 10 o'clock and by, by six o'clock I was still going. But then I look back and say, wow, I would have never done this had we not been dealing with a coronavirus, right? So it's an opportunity. But, you know, there are those who are inside their houses and they're emotionally just a wreck right now. Are you praying for one another? That God just keep us emotionally strong, mentally strong, mentally healthy during this time? Or, or what about finances? Man, this is a huge one right now. You know, Paul prayed for Timothy night and day because he knew the struggles. Are you praying for the financial needs of those around you? You know, um... There's a lot of companies that may not make it through this, this, this shutoff and these, these shutdowns and so forth. You know, there's a lot of smaller mom and pop companies that just may not make it through this. Are we praying for them? We need, we need our companies to be strong. We need our businesses to go forth. We need our families to be able to, you know, be able to provide and so forth. So are you praying for our finances? Are you praying not, not, not that God would just continue to give us what we want, but that we would be faithful as good stewards of what he's already entrusted to us. That, that God would allow us our, our, our monies and our finances to stretch. That we'd be able to still continue to, to worship God through our giving and through our finances. And that God would just continue to, to, you know, to bless our families and help us to take care of the needs that are there. That's a very real issue for many people. It's a real issue for some smaller churches right now. But our, it just teaches us and it reminds us that our confidence has to be in God alone. And so it's a reminder. God wants us to trust him. God wants us to, to rely on him, to put our complete confidence in him. Uh, so once again, praying for the finances of those around us, our loved ones, our, the ones that we care for, and uh, making sure that they have what they need. But then the physical needs as well. You know, there are some of our elderly that can't get out. They don't get out normally, let alone with a virus going on. Are we calling on them? Are we checking up on them? Are we taking care of them? You know, once again... Specific context, Paul is praying for Timothy night and day because he knew the struggles that he would be facing. You're living through a time of struggle. You're living through a time of inconvenience more than anything. But are we praying for one another that God would just work and show himself strong through all this? Um, I had an opportunity. Uh, I shared this a little bit last night on live. I, you know, I'm, I'm up there at the gas station. I'm getting gas. And a guy pulls in beside me, and of course, you know, all great men drive diesel pickups, right? Uh, just kidding. But, uh, you know, so this guy pulls in in a big truck, you know, he's a diesel, and I'm getting diesel on one side, he's getting diesel on the other. And I asked him, how, how are you doing, sir? He goes, I'm doing okay. I said, uh, I said okay? He goes, because I could tell he was struggling a little bit. And he said, you know, he goes, I'm a contractor. He goes, I do additions, I do home remodels, I do, you know, 
small home improvement type type jobs. And he said, I've been doing that for 20 years, but he said, the reality is right now is nobody's calling them to put an addition on their house. Nobody's calling them to remodel a bathroom. Nobody's calling them to remodel a kitchen. He said, I'm down to my last dollars. He goes, I'm struggling. And I said, I hear you. I said, how are you doing on food? And uh, thank you, Danny Soto, for uh, opening up uh, Samaritan's Harvest Pantry. I had just gone down there, gotten a few food, some food items for some of our elderly. And I said, listen, what do you need? He goes, well, I'd like some pasta. And I'm like, ha, I got pasta. I really had it in the back of my truck. So I dropped the tailgate and I gave him a big bag of pasta and a couple, uh, a jug of uh, pasta sauce. And he goes, why are you doing this? And I said, hey, we all need a little bit of help. Just want to encourage you. You know, this time, this day and age that we live in is unique. We haven't seen anything like this in recent years or if ever. We have an opportunity to be a picture of Jesus Christ to a world that needs him. And so Paul prayed. Let's pray not only for the circumstances, but let's pray that God would intervene, that God would work through in and through them, that God would show himself strong, that God would open up doors of opportunity during this time frame in which we live. So there was consistent prayer. And Paul even went so far as he said, I remember with my tears. Paul knew Timothy well enough to know his struggles and his heartaches. Um, I don't know about that, but we know so many of our friends, we know what they're going through. He prayed with them with, for tears, with tears. Uh, I, that's just, that, that's touching. I'm thankful for every prayer. And I know that there are those that weep over me and pray for me. And I appreciate every one of them. Uh, and we need to be doing that for each other during this time. So there was not just uh, a picture of consistent prayer, but number two, there was complete confidence. And we see this in verse five. Verse five says, I recall your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and now I am convinced is in you. He said he was convinced of Timothy's calling. He was convinced of Timothy's faith. Times of difficulty and struggle are not the time to let your guard down. Let me just say that again. Times of difficulty and struggle are not the time to let your guard down. Um, Paul said, I can see this in you. I affirm that what, what you say is in your heart, what we sense is in your heart is real. We see the calling that God has in your life. And let me just know, tell you, uh, Timothy, Paul saying, don't give up now. Don't stop now. We see it. Keep going. It's in you. We saw it in your grandmother. We saw it in your family. We see it in you. Let me just say, this is not the time to drop your guard. This is not the time to, to let your faith waver. This is not the time to say, I wonder where God is. This is the time to say, God, shine bright. This is the time to say, God, I need your presence now more than ever. God, this is a time that we need to see you at work. So times of struggle are not the time to let your guard down. Times of struggle are not the time to say, hey, I give up. God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Put your trust in him. And so uh, uh, trust in what you know, not in what you feel. Trust in what you know, not in what you feel. I know that God's word is sure. I know that God's presence is with me. He lives within me. I know that he said he'd never leave me nor forsake me. So even though my anxiety may be all over the map, maybe my concerns may be all over the map, maybe what I'm you know, going through may be all over the map, but, but I'm not going to trust in what I feel. I'm trusting in what I know. I'm putting my confidence and my anchor in God's word. 
And said, Paul said, I recall your sincere faith. Paul had watched him. So here's one thing, too, that you have to just make a mental note of. You have to know that in times of difficulty and struggle, you can't fake faith. In times of difficulty and struggle, you can't fake faith. You know, it's an opportunity to let your testimony before God be seen before man. And let him know that, hey, I trust God. He's in control. Um, Yeah, once again, I'm not afraid of the coronavirus. I'm irritated by it. I trust God. He's going to take care of us. But we're going to be, be you know, practicing sound judge, judgment and wisdom through it. Right, right? We're not going to just say, oh, it's no big deal. It is a big deal. But, we're, but our confidence is in God. Our anchor is in Him. So Paul had a reminder of consistent prayer, complete confidence, and number three, a continual reminder. And uh, I'm going to hit just the first part of verses 6 and 7. Then I'm going to invite my friend Andy up here to talk about sound judgment. Um, but continual reminder, look at verses 6 and 7. It says, Therefore, I remind you to rekindle the gift of God that is in you through the laying on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. So, first of all, he reminded Timothy of what was in him. What was in him. Um, I remind you, therefore, to rekindle the gift that is in you. This gift of being in ministry, this gift of knowing God, this gift of trusting Him, this gift of faith. Not that Timothy had given up, rather he wanted to fan the flame of his passion. You know, I say, times of difficulty are not the times to abandon the faith. Times of difficulty are are times to bear down and to fan that flame and to say, God, I'm trusting you even, even more and even in greater ways. So Paul reminded Timothy that God has not given us the spirit of fear. You know, the bottom line is we don't have to be afraid. You know, we don't have to be afraid. Um, it's okay to be afraid, but we don't have to be. Because we know who's in control. And uh, it's an opportunity to just remind him um, of everything that he's doing. And, and so let me just keep, keep in mind here that he said, I have not given you the spirit of fear, but one of power, one of love. You know, during these trying times, it's a great opportunity to, to love your neighbor as yourself. You know, I see people hoarding stuff. Uh, um, I heard the story, uh, maybe Andy will share it, but yesterday of a guy coming in, taking every bit of Tylenol and ibuprofen and cough medicine and everything he could get off the shelf and then get in your $80,000 car and leave. You know, that is not loving your neighbor as yourself. You know, we have an opportunity to show God's love now more than ever. You know, you know, even a pound of hamburger in Jesus' name to somebody. You know, uh, some, a bag of pasta noodles in Jesus' name. You know, is is an opportunity to show God's love. Um, we have the opportunity to uh, uh, just be a picture of Jesus Christ and to love our neighbors. He says, this is the greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. You know, if we would love our neighbors as ourselves, what might be different? You know, we have some shut-ins that don't get out much, and maybe their kids aren't getting out and helping them out as much as they should. And, you know, parents, they have this idea that, you know, sometimes our elderly parents, oh, I'm okay, you take care of yourself, we're fine. Go beyond that and just say, hey, I love you, I want to show Jesus' love to you. And, uh, and so let's just be a picture of Jesus during this time. But I want to leave verse 7 with, with, with Andy here. Um, want a power, love, and sound mind. And uh, so Andy's going to talk about having a sound mind and sound judgment. 
and so forth. And, and, and when he's done, we're going to kind of have a word of prayer and a time of uh, dedication and response to God's word as we do every week. And then we're going to stay on and just answer some questions. And we'll tell you how we can do that in just a little bit. But Andy, would you come and share what God's laid on your heart concerning this part of the verse here? Good morning, living souls. Hey, listen, I am so thankful that Ken gave me an opportunity to uh, be with you guys this morning. And uh, we were talking earlier in the week over some tater tots. Um, I like tater tots, those ones at Sonic. I like them crispy and crunchy. Um, Lisa, if you're listening, I need, I want tater tots tonight. Uh, so we were talking about today's teaching and everything that's going on around the world and everything else. And as he was going through the scripture of what he was going to be teaching, I, I focused on the part about having a sound mind. And uh, I started talking with him about sound mind and what's going on right now in this crazy, wacko world regarding this coronavirus. And um, of course, I can let you know and when I'm done here, we'll be doing some uh, questions and answers regarding the coronavirus. I'm, uh, I don't know if it's uh, some compulsive disorder or what, you can uh, ask my wife, but I latch on to subjects and then I go, I go uh, just berserk. I start studying them until like 2, 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. I take notes. I really get in depth. I go beyond what the media is saying and I go into university detailed laboratory studies and everything else. And it's just a hobby of mine. So I got really deep into this a couple months ago regarding the coronavirus. And we'll talk about more of that later. But for right now, that ties into everything we got going on in this crazy world about having a sound mind. So a sound mind. Let's look at this a little bit here. A sound mind equals self-control and self-discipline. Now, I'm not going to be telling you guys you don't have it. I know that many times in my life I don't have that the, as far as the self-control and the self-discipline. But that's what we're talking about here with a sound mind. And folks, like I said, having a sound mind is really important, especially right now as we're mixing in with the sinful world and everybody's just going crazy. They're going nuts. And uh, we'll talk about it in a second, but we're not, uh, we're not even at the peak of it yet, folks. Um, now, the Greek word for sound mind actually only occurs one time in the Bible, the Greek word for it. Now, I'm not going to go into the Greek and the Hebrew and the Latin and all that stuff. Uh, I'm just telling you on it, on it. So, now, of course, the opposite of a sound mind is an unsound mind, which is defined as lunacy or being crazy. And uh, maybe later Ken will give you my wife's phone number. Uh, you can call her and you can ask her about me being crazy. I think I suffer from the lunacy and all that kind of stuff going on. But during a, something like this, when the world's going nuts, it's sure it's possible that we can go start start going nuts too. That's just what happens, right? But but we've got a counselor. We've got a Lord, our God, who's helped who helps steady us and remain calm, and we can focus on him. Hey, we can focus on Jesus Christ, and we got the Bible, the manuscript, man, the textbook. We can go right to it. Your heart has to go out to these people in the world. They're going crazy and nuts, and all they got is CNN to watch. 
I mean, they don't have a, a God. They don't have somebody, at least not in this aspect of having a relationship with them, where they can talk to them and just just sit at a table or lay in their bed and have a conversation with Jesus, Jesus Christ. We have that. We need to take advantage of it all the time, especially now, right? That's going to help you have a sound mind. Now, even if your mind is in fear, as it was with the case of Timothy, as Pastor Ken was talking about, you can allow God's word and the Holy Spirit to work in you, to deliver you, to rescue you, revive you, to salvage your mind. This means any crazy worries, thoughts you got going on can be defeated by the power of the Holy Spirit. Your first step is to believe in the power of the Holy Spirit, right, folks? He is God. A lot of churches leave him out. We're going to talk about a trinity. God the Father, God the Son. Uh, right? No, there's a third aspect, a third person. It's God the Holy Spirit. He is our counselor. He is our helper. Jesus Christ said so, so I believe it. You have power in the name of Jesus. The Bible says so. You have power in the blood of Jesus and the word of God. You can ask God to give you peace and a sound mind. Go ahead and ask him. Folks, listen, the word of God is like a blanket, man. It safeguards your thoughts. It defends your mind from the arrows of the enemy. They may try to shoot at you to cause you to panic and lose your mind. So open that Bible and read. When I'm hurting, and I hurt a lot, maybe I cause a lot of people hurt, but the thing is, when I'm hurting, man, I like to go to the book of Psalms. I like that. It's a blanket that comforts my soul. It just gives me peace. You read these Psalms of David and others in the book of Psalms, and man, they just reach out to you. They talk about tears. They talk about fears. They talk about worries. They talk about anxieties. They talk about all the stuff we're going through, man. Open it up. Just go to the book of Psalms. It don't matter. You don't have to go in order. Just start reading them. Get out a notepad. Start taking notes or put notes right in your Bible. God wants to speak to you. Go to his word and let him speak to your heart. Other things can help with a sound mind are things like preparation. Ken was talking about that. And having a strategy plan. And having a schedule. Our flesh, you know, we... We have the desires of the flesh, but those are some of the good things like food, water, shelter. Those are good things. And I know some of you worry about some of those things right now during this crisis. But our flesh also has sinful desires. You need to close that door and lock it. Being shut down in a time like this in a world crisis, we can begin to be idle. You know about being idle, idle hands, idle minds. The enemy starts messing with you and shooting arrows at you with temptations and thoughts. Don't let them. Don't let them do that. You start getting those thoughts, you go right to prayer and you go right to the Word of God. You close your eyes, you talk to God. You tell God, hey, I'm being tempted right now. Deliver me, Lord, help me. Go to Jesus Christ, because right now as we're idle, even more so than normal, it's when the enemy's going to try to mess with you. Don't let him mess with you. Don't let him. Remember, folks, we use virus uh, protection on our computers, right? We need to use it on our minds as well. Have your mind focused on God. 
be in his word. Here's an idea. Pick a Bible verse. Pick one. Study it. Look at it. Look at a, a commentary on it. Look what the com- and There's a lot of them. There's Barnes and there's this guy and that guy. I like Matthew Henry. I know Pastor Ken does too. You, uh, there's all kinds of commentaries you can read online. Pick a Bible verse and study it like, well, like crazy. Study it. Write down different ideas about it. Memorize it. And then apply it to your life. How does that verse then apply to your life? Maybe then another thing you could write down in your notes. How can you apply that verse to helping others in your life and your area and such? Meditate on the Word of God. Let it be something that's fun, fantastic, exciting, like going to an, uh, an amusement park or something. Just go crazy about the Word of God so you don't go crazy, right? All right, guys, let me read a couple scripture verses to you. Uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 8 says, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Think about those things. Think about those things. Thought comes in. Oh, I got to go to Wegmans. Wegmans is going to be packed. I'm not going to be able to park. Uh, There's going to be no bread. Someone just posted on Facebook, there's no milk anymore. Uh, Someone just posted this. Someone just posted that. Uh, I don't know what to do. What are we going to do? We don't have enough of this. If it's bad today, is it going to be bad tomorrow? What am I going to do? Think about those things, as it says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. Pray to God. Say, Lord, I'm worried. I'm nervous about this. I don't know if I have enough of this. I need some of that. I need Tylenol and this guy. Ooh, I was there. This guy took every single thing of Tylenol and cough syrup, put it down on the, at the register in front of me. I couldn't believe it. I got angry. I wanted to say something to him. I really did, man. My anger's up in me. I'm like, you know, I want to say, what in the world are you doing, man? Who do you think you are? But I knew because of my flesh and my anger that that could lead to some more stuff. And Pastor Ken would be having you all pray for me because I'd be in jail today. (laughs) So I didn't. I prayed for him. And uh, and then he got out in this probably $70,000 Audi SUV brand new in a parking lot that was double parked sideways across a number of spots. Uh, I got angry again. I just walked to the car and, and uh, opened the door and Lisa was there and she's able to put me in my spot. And it took care of my anger for a while. So uh, listen, man, we're going through a crazy time right now. Think about the good things, right? Now listen, a sound mind is not wishy-washy or spineless but instead makes bold decisions based on strength received from God. I want to tell you guys something. This is really important. It's okay to say, I'm not okay. It's okay to say that you're not all right right now. It's okay to confess a sin. It's okay to ask for prayer or to cry. It's okay. These are outlets. Pastor Ken... You call him, text him. He's busy. Uh, believe me, he's busy. He's so busy. 
I mean, it's unbelievable. I'll be on the phone with him a couple minutes, and he's, he'll be getting 10 texts during that minute I'm on the phone with him. And, uh, but he'll take your phone call, your text, if you're nervous or you're upset or you're crying or you need to confess a sin and just want to have him pray for you regarding some temptation that's got a hold of you. It's okay. It's okay. You want to open up the closet, man, brothers and sisters. Let, let that stuff out. Maybe now during this time of idleness and nothing, you can't go anywhere, not, maybe now's a good time to, Ken yesterday cleaned out his garage. Maybe this is a good time to have you clean out the garage of your soul. That stuff in there, you know, that stuff in the basement, it needs to be taken out. So God can fill that heart even more so in your soul. Get that junk out. Pray about it. Have people pray with you. Your brothers and sisters, they love you. Trust God. Build those relationships with people in the church. These are all outlets, folks, to having a and keeping a sound mind. This is like the electricity to help your brain keep working. Here's a story. In 1929, a German scientist by the name of Hans Berger. Sounds like hamburger. It makes me hungry. Hans Berger proved what many scientists had suspected for years that there is electrical activity in the brain. I don't know, but maybe he also proved that some of us run on 220 volts and people like me are running on like a potato of 110 volts or something. But we have electricity in the current going through our brain. Use that current and that electricity for focusing on Jesus Christ. Years ago, I taught this story about having a correct and winning change of mind. I've always been into sports. I love sports. By the way, do you know that NASCAR is racing today and all the drivers are like using their home setups? So they'll be racing. Uh, I think they're carrying on TV. <laughs> them racing their cars all against each other and they even can select the exact track. Uh, the track in whatever city they want to race on. So they're all racing today. Uh, through those videotype cars, but they're actually driving them. So uh, I can't wait to check that out. That's going to be fun. But uh, I like sports. And I like having a winning mind. And I taught this years ago about having a correct and winning mind or having a change of mind to be winning. How about that? Okay. In the uh, early 2000s, there was a baseball star. His name was Rick Ankeel. He pitched for the St. Louis Cardinals. He was such a good pitcher, folks. I'm telling you, some of them called him the Nick Sandy Koufax. He seemed to be a natural. He was so good. Well, speaking of natural, uh, I need to let everybody know um, that I was in the movie The Natural. Really, I was. I like to say that because it makes me feel all good and stuff. I wasn't Robert Redford, as you could probably imagine. I was just some guy in the crowd scene, but I was actually in the movie The Natural. I've watched it a hundred times. I keep on trying to find myself in the crowd scene with my wife and everything else. And uh, I've watched that movie more than any movie I can think of. I know every word in that movie. But anyways, this guy, Rick Ankiel, was a natural. Now in 2001, all of a sudden, like with this virus that came out of nowhere, basically, this guy, Rick, couldn't throw a strike anymore. Now, if you're a pitcher, you have to throw strikes. And if you can't throw a strike anymore, you're in serious trouble. 
His world fell apart like the world is falling apart for so many right now. It happened all of a sudden and it was a disaster. Get this, it wasn't a physical problem. But the Cardinals didn't know what to do. So the Cardinals sent him down to the minor leagues. Ladies and gentlemen, he tried everything to come back to the major leagues. He wanted to be back with the St. Louis Cardinals in professional baseball. He tried everything. And guess what? It was determined that his pitching problem was actually in his head. It was in his mind. He tried to fix it, but he couldn't. So what he did next was amazing. Having a sound mind, he changed his mind. A guy that was a pitcher for 15 years decided to change his position and become an outfielder. Now, usually pitchers can't hit. I know. I played softball. Maybe some of my friends and their wives are even watching today. We won three New York State championships. We traveled around the country. It was fun. We had bank accounts from different sponsors. It was. We played like over 100 nights a year. But let me tell you something. As a pitcher, I think I was okay. I got MVP one season. I couldn't hit. My guys could hit. I wasn't that great of a hitter. So a lot of times they say an old adage is pitchers can't hit. Rick Ankiel was a pitcher. That's what he had been his whole entire life. Now he can't pitch. He did something amazing, ladies and gentlemen. He changed his mind. He had a sound mind, and with the sound mind, he changed his mind. He became an outfielder. He became so good at being an outfielder and so good of a hitter that he went back to St. Louis Cardinals as an outfielder and became a Major League Baseball hitting star. I'm not kidding you. The guy who used to pitch was now a hitting star. Totally different end of the spectrum. He was a pitcher facing hitters, and now he's a hitter going against pitchers. He had a sound mind. He changed his mind. The point is this. No matter where you at, no matter where you are at, use the tongue and lips better here, no matter what failures you have had, now is a great time to change your mind. Ask God to give you a sound mind too, to give you purpose and direction. Turn your keys over to the Holy Spirit. Maybe this month you'll go in a new direction that you never expected, a new direction. Take a chance on a totally brand new thing, man. Go for it. Right here, right now, and take a big swing. Try something. Pastor Ken has been asking you to be doers of the word, to know your gifts, to use them, to be active. I've been listening to his teachings. You should too. They're all on the website. Be active. He wants you to be active, to be doing something. Paul was telling Timothy to do things. It's a big part of what Ken's been teaching you. So do something. Be active. Be careful during this time of idleness and not going anywhere that you're not doing something. Be in the Word of God. Be in prayer. Communicate with your brothers and sisters. But you can also be active and do something. Listen, here's something that I started doing years ago, and each of you can do it. Some of you may have more of a passion or a gift to do this. 
call a nursing home. Ask them at the, when they answer the phone for a list of people that you could send a card to. They may not give you their last names, but maybe they will. But they most probably are going to give you the first names of people. Maybe their last initial. Send them a card. Write something in there. Put a track inside. Further on, adopt one of them or two of them. These people ain't got nothing. You think we're lonely? You, you think we're shut in right now with everything that's going on? Travel restrictions and this and that? Let me tell you something. These people have been living in that and even worse for years. I can't tell you how many of them don't have a single solitary visitor. I know. I asked them at the front gate. They say no one comes to visit her. No one visits him. Nobody. No family. No friend. The only visitor they have is a nurse that comes in and brings in her breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Or maybe to someone to, uh, to, to give them their medicines. I'll tell you another thing. A lot of these folks will tell you stuff for so long your ears will fall off. They're smart. They're amazingly smart. We often think of pers- people in a nursing home, they're on like a ventilator and they can't talk. Get that stuff out of your mind. That's, that's a small part of them. A good part of them, they were driving a car a couple years ago, right? And now they're in there and they have nobody and nothing. And God would love, I know this for a fact, by the basis of the word of God, that God would love you to call some of these nursing homes, get a list, and send them a card, see if you can get their phone number and give them a call. And they will talk. You don't have to talk. Introduce yourself, tell them something, this and that, and then just put the phone on speaker and go ahead and do laundry, do your dishes, everything else, because they're going to tell you about their life story. They're going to tell you every place they went to on vacation. They're going to tell you recipes. You're going to love them. And they're just going to be so happy to have somebody who actually cares to listen to them. Some of you want to get involved in ministry, but maybe you don't feel you have the gift of preaching or teaching or standing out in the street corner, handing out tracts. Hey, a lot of you can have the gift, and God will use you to reach out to someone who's hurting and lonely and sad and has nothing. It's okay. If you need help, ask Ken. If he needs help, he can ask me. I can tell you how to do it. I've been doing it for years with my wife and family and kids. It's so fun. It's so fun, right? Some of them want to go out to dinner, and they ask me, and they'd have a motor vehicle place, pick them up in their van, and have them meet me at Red Lobster, and they would pay for the lunch or the dinner. They got money, too. It's amazing. They're good people. Adopt one or two of them. Why not? God would be so glorified. Maybe write up a Bible teaching. You, uh, you know, you can do that. Maybe record your memoirs. Uh, maybe write a poem. I don't know. I can clean the garage. You know, there's things you can do to be active. If you don't have a sound mind, be like me. Get your dog and paint its fingernails. Until your wife and daughter uh, scream me and tell you to stop and they take the dog away and lock me up in my room. And then I call Ken and tell him I'm scared and afraid. (laughs) Folks, listen, it's a crazy, scary world out there. It's a confusing time out there. Have a sound mind and know that this episode, like a TV episode, you you binge watch TV shows. This is like a couple episodes in your TV shows of what's going on in your life. This can be your finest hour. Yeah, that's a curveball to you, ain't it? Like in baseball. This could be your finest hour. Not your worst time. This could be your finest hour. When the Apollo 13's oxygen tank failed, the lunar module was in danger of not returning, not surviving, and getting back to Earth. 
Gene Kranz, the lead flight director, overheard people saying that this is going to be the worst disaster NASA has ever experienced. The worst hour. To which he responded, with all due respect, I believe this is going to be our finest hour. I like that. I like that. Imagine if we could make our response to this world virus that's going on our finest hour. Now, imagine a year or two into the future here of how you may be able to look back and everything that's going on right now and you hopefully are going to be able to tell the stories, hopefully we all can, of how we came together as a church and as believers. So maybe your life is upside down right now. Maybe your life is like a contradiction right now because of everything that's going on. A contradiction. Matthew West recorded this song. Maybe it fits your mind right now. The king of contradictions strikes again. You said, Jesus, the last across the finish line will win. And the beggars will be millionaires someday. And the humble ones are going to have their say. Well, all my friends are gone now. And all my money is gone now. And all my pride is gone now. And if what you say is true now, this will be my finest hour. Well, everything is opposite down here. The strong survive and the rest just disappear. But your philosophy is more unique. You say I'll be stronger when I am weak. This will be my finest hour. He goes on to say, well, I don't understand it. I don't think I'll ever comprehend it. It's so hard to even conceive it. So I guess I'll just believe it. This will be my finest hour. This right here, right now, ladies and gentlemen, can be your finest hour. Folks, let this virus, let this time be your finest hour. Let this be amazing. Let this part of your memoir be so different than the rest of the world who doesn't have Jesus Christ. Let it be when it's read years later by your kids, grandkids, great-grandkids. They were like, Grandpa, Grandma did this? But wasn't the rest of the world doing that? And they did this during that time? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. And then the question may come, why? How? And there's the answer, Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. Let's meditate on a few of these scriptures as I get ready to finish up. Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 11, 13. For I, listen, listen now, apply it, apply it, apply it, as Ken said. Apply it, do it, be active. Jeremiah 29, 11, 13. For I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me, and you will find me when you seek me with all of your heart. Isn't that amazing? David says in Psalm 8, God is mindful of man. 
This means that God is thinking about you. You are always on his mind. The simple reason God thinks so much about you folks is because he loves you. He wants you to be the best person that you can be. Something we need to remind ourselves of is that God does not change his mind. Numbers 23, verse 19. He loves you. God never gets up in a bad mood, despite what you may have seen on some TV show. He doesn't get up in a bad mood and then get mad at you. He doesn't dislike you one day and then like the next, depending on if you did him a favor. I want you to meditate as we finish on these scriptures right here. Zechariah chapter 2, verse 8 says, You are the apple of God's eye. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Whoever touches you touches the apple of his eye. God's got you. God's got you. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 16 says, The Lord your God is with you, the mighty warrior who saves. He will take great delight in you. In his love, he will no longer rebuke you, but will rejoice over you with singing. Ladies and gentlemen, singing. Stop. Think. Think about this. He loves you, and he's rejoicing over you with singing. I, I, I know. When I think about it, even though I've been saved and I read the Bible, it still almost like blows my mind apart in a little tiny fragments. God is singing over me. God is singing over me. Even over what I did last night, because I mean I'm a sinner, and did what I what what I did a couple weeks ago. He's still still singing over me. Yeah, he's singing over you. That's love. That's love so far beyond our mind, and we want to have a sound mind, but it's, it just blows our mind, right? These are verses, and there's so much more in the Bible. All of them can help you have a sound mind today, next week, and forever. Let me uh, give you a quote here and I'll finish up. Charles Spurgeon said, I have often in times of frightful depression of spirit reached for my Bible and within a few minutes been able to leap for joy of my soul. Grab that Bible. Read it. And let me finish with this one thing. Let me tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I have had troubles, troubles, troubles. Someone get out a slide guitar and I'll sing troubles, troubles, troubles over the last couple months with so many issues. And this pastor, this guy, Pastor Ken, who, by the way, just had his birthday, has helped me keep a sound mind. I come in there and go, well, Ken, I, I, oh, I mean, like talking crazy, weird stuff. And Ken's like, you'll even say, yeah, I understand you. Let's pray. <laughs> I, he's able to take the jumbled, messed up words when you're having a hard time and just say, you know what? I love you and God loves you even more. Let me pray for you. He loves you. God loves you. Pastor Ken loves you. Send him a birthday card. Send him a note just to encourage him. He's, he's got a lot going on too. And here he is offering to deliver you guys gourmet meals and clean your garage and do this and that. This guy's got a, a family who loves him and they're a great family. And he's busy. Lift up Ken's hands. Lift up your pastor's hands as we lift all of our hands up to God.
May God bless you. And I just want to thank you, Ken, for letting me share in this for a few minutes. And uh, I'm just thankful you're my friend, even though uh, I may not have a sound mind sometimes, eh?